0: Hi again and welcome to another episode of the shop notes podcast i'm your host phil huber today i'm joined with our shop craftsman mark hopkins and also project designer don Joyle. <laughs> <laughs> eminent tipster yep so don john doyle yep. is who we have here nice. on today's episode we're going to be talking about Uh, thriftiness and woodworking, when to go cheap, and when it comes around to bite you. We'll also be giving an update on our current projects that we're working on, and thanks for listening. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build, from furniture projects, to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com. Okay, so did one of, where did this question come from?
1: Uh, I came up with this because I'm kind of going through it at the moment. Yeah. Um, So the question is, um, you know, when have you cheaped out on something that ended up costing you money or time or effort in the long run? And um, when we first bought our house, uh, our house was one of those like, oh, rip up the carpet, and there was hardwood underneath. Sure. So uh, we were going through refinishing hardwood floors, and so we started with our upstairs bedrooms, and I went to all the trouble of renting the the sander and sanding it down to bare wood and staining it, and came to putting the finish on it. And I went to our local, um, department or, uh, uh, home center, home center, home center to get the floor finish. And I'm looking at different floor finishes and obviously they have the ones that say floor finish and -hmm. then there's like other, you know, gallons of stuff they're finished. And one of them was like a high strength polyurethane and it was, I don't know, maybe $10 cheaper a gallon. And I probably use a total of three gallons Mm -hmm. on this level. I thought, oh, I'll save some money. And, and I asked the associate there that probably didn't know anything. right? said, hey, can I use this? And they're like, oh, yeah, that would be great for a floor finish. And <laughs> so I uh, went through all this trouble to finish the floors on that level and use this quote-unquote high-strength polyurethane and, instead of the, you know, a little bit more expensive finish. And um, I'm starting to see that kind of crack up now and, mm. like, you know, 15 years later, and I'm like, I'm going to have to... Totally, just sand this all the way down and redo it. Where um, I did our main level of um, our house, the wood floors, a couple of years later, and got the more expensive finish. Right. You know, paid probably thirty dollars more total, and 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 that stuff is just done wonderfully. And now I'm really regretting that. You know, I kind of, not knowing what I was doing at the time, kind of cheaped out, and now it's yeah. going to have to be like a whole process of redoing it and and stuff so that's that's kind of what made me think of this question like what when have have you cheaped out on something and then it's like regretted it later
0: yeah well I think finishing is probably uh, a pretty big one for a lot of people because as I think for most hobbyist woodworkers it's not an area of specialty
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so uh, we kind of want to just get the project done and out the door and then you're more likely to not want to invest in it because we don't necessarily understand it. So I found that with paint, like mm-hmm. house paint, oh yeah, um, not like exterior per se, but yeah, you know, like interior. You go to the hardware store, home center, and you buy the the cheap stuff, and it goes on like you know, two percent milk kind <laughs> of thing, you know. And then yep. um, the big revelation for me was switching from kind of your lower grade paints and then using like benjamin moore paint right and then when you start using that and it's like holy crap like this really goes on nicely mm-hmm. and covers well
2: and you don't need 20 coats with the, right. the cheaper stuff that you, <laughs> you know getting this, three yeah, gallons just, instead of just buying one more more than water than.
0: yeah yeah so yeah so i found it with finishing paint mostly um, uh, and early on and i still struggle with it is With lumber and material Mm -hmm. choices, you know, Mm kind of like wanting to use everything but the oink out of a board. And you end up with a project that's well built, put together okay, but, you know, the grain matching isn't all that good. And you get a couple of places where, you know, styles and rails where I think you'd want straighter grain, you end up with flat sawn surfaces. So you get this weird kind of rippling water kind of look to it right
2: yeah That's how are you especially with the um the pre-milled lumber that you get from a box store that, that comes in the dimensions that oh yeah could mm-hmm. work perfectly for your project, but that always comes back to the bite you because it's never quite what you actually need and right and it's never the quality of material you need either so i've done that before with trim work especially and trying to cut costs with casing and baseboards and ended up ripping it off because it was I bought the cheap stuff to begin with. So <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of times where you're doing like casing or any that dimensional lumber where it's like, I need twelve feet of it, so I'm gonna buy a twelve footer and then it's like, oh wait, no, I need to cut off like an end that's right. you know, cracked or whatever. So you always end up you need to get more than, than what you think. So it's, you know, a good idea just to to spend the money and get the longer piece and yep. you have plenty to work with and
0: So, but there's a flip side to this question, Mm -hmm. if you kind of turn it inside out, is what, where are areas that you can save money in woodworking uh, that it's okay to to get by on?
1: Uh, That's a pretty good question. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we've talked about like Harbor Freight a lot and, you know, how that gets, you know, a, a bad rap for being cheap or whatever, but there are a lot of products there that we get, and it's like, you know, it's okay to go cheap on. Like, I think you guys have talked about, um, like, their moving blankets there are pretty cheap, and they're good for, you know, wrapping furniture and kind of, you know, finishing uh, type, you know, drop cloths and stuff. But I I found that, uh, like, there's, you know, some specialty tools, especially when we're working on our house, that's like... You know, you're doing one time, and it's like I just need to get through this. Use it once. If it breaks, I'm never going to probably use it again. Mm-hmm. That that type of situation, I guess. Um, I guess, yeah, just anything that like I don't want to have around for a long time. I don't mind going cheap on. So.
0: Or it's something that you're just not going to get a <clears throat> a lot of sustained use on. You know, right. if you're going to use it just a few times a year, or mm-hmm. like you said, for one big job or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. So, now, Mark, you previous to this life at Woodsmith, you did trim carpentry.
2: Yes, that is correct.
0: So, in your professional work, then, did you find how did you manage expenses then and costs? Like, did you find tools or tricks that would help you be able to do your job but still not break the bank?
2: Well, it was just a matter of um, basically building your tool collection up over time. And every specific job that you encountered, you always needed a specific tool. So it was always like a battle. Oh, I've got to go and buy this new tool for a specific project. So that's, that's all it comes down to the end of the day. I mean, I was a self-employed contractor for several years, so it was just uh, a matter of building building your your tool collection up and then sticking with what you've got and learning how to use your tools best to your ability and if you needed anything more then try not to break the bank and mm-hmm. purchase anything outrageous so to start off with something like a specific tool that's not the top of the range tool mm-hmm. start off with something that's um low render so you can get used to that and then then when you get more proficient with that particular tool you can Probably purchase something that's a little bit more expensive. Yeah. So you can get used to using that tool for the best of your ability and not break the bank in the process. So, yeah. Did
0: you ever, uh, what about like buying used tools? Did you do that? You know, whether they were power tools or hand tools or anything? Or were you. Actually, used? I
2: think my, my first miter saw was actually used, which my mother in law bought for me. And I think she got that Craigslist. It's a big. Dewalt sliding mitre saw and mm. I had that for a lot of years until until I decided to to change it out to a, a smaller version but yeah that was it was a pretty old pretty old Dewalt mit- sliding mitre saw and it was it was it was perfect it was mm. it worked perfectly well for the duration I had it so I think that's my probably the only tool I had used and like I said previous the mm. majority of the tools I bought were Kind of low end, right. not not top of the range tools. So they were on the on the cheaper mm-hmm. side, but they worked great until I needed something or get a bit more money mm-hmm. to be able to buy something more substantial and a bit more long lasting. Mm.
1: Yeah, you kind of make a good point. That I mean, I'm thinking back to my early woodworking days and a lot of the like used getting used tools or cheaper tools and having those for a while, kind of teaches you what is important about like quality or like when you want to buy the next thing so it's kind of a good place to start out i I remember getting a um a craft an old craftsman miter saw from somebody and it's the fence part of it was all like one casting and it had warped so that you couldn't get like a (laughs) 90 degree cut on it you had to Mm -hmm. kind of like cheat it and shim it and i was just like oh man i just after a while, I, I you know got sick of that. I couldn't, you know, you know, fake it anymore as far as like doing miters and 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 square cuts and that really taught me to like the next miter saw that I go out and buy, you know, it's not going to have that fence design. Right. It's better be ninety degrees and and know that you know I can spend a little bit more money on. It. It's going to save exactly. me a lot more time and headache down you know down the line. So right. that's a good. Good place to start is training on you know the cheaper, like hand-me-down, right. or use use stuff.
0: Yeah, my first table saw was a uh, brand new, but it was one of those ninety-nine dollar benchtop mm-hmm. saws that had kind of a wobbly bent steel base on it and the universal motor which was screaming loud and. And a real small table, you know, didn't even have, it was like, I think it was like a 5 eighths inch wide miter gauge slot, mm-hmm. so you can't use standard jigs and stuff like that. Um, I did a lot to upgrade it and get the most out of it, and I did some really cool projects that I'm still really proud of, but um, I think looking back on it, I have mixed feelings. Like, I, I felt like I got it because... I had $99 and so I could right. buy this saw rather than wait a little bit longer and get something that yeah. was a little bit more solid and right. a little bigger. Uh, and I found that with some hand tools too where I just, I really wanted X but I couldn't afford what I really wanted so I just decided to cheap out on it and mm-hmm. then then you get to the point where you like, I hate using this tool, mm-hmm. it, just, <laughs> it just doesn't do what it's supposed yep. to do and. Uh,
2: Then you're kind of wishing that you went to the more expensive option just for quality but yeah
0: yeah and just the you know when a tool works right there is a a little bit more delight in using it than fighting a tool Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i can remember starting out on on those types of table saws too and you're like always fighting the fence to get square and all that Mm -hmm. stuff and then and then you know it really shows like the appreciation for what we have now and and the the tools we get to use, and it's like it does yep. make things a lot easier, and you can get you know better results quicker, and so yeah.
0: yeah. So I mean, I don't know what to say for you know when it help when it pays to go cheap on stuff, other than like we said for tools that you're not going to use very often. I think there are a lot of use. I think I'm end up defaulting to buying new stuff a lot of times just because you think that's because it's easy. There's a convenience. You don't have to and, go searching, and yeah. Uh-huh whereas if you're to find something new it's not like or to find something used you can't just go to the equivalent of a used car lot you know there's really unless it's online but then that can be kind of a crapshoot too Mm -hmm. as to what you're Mm -hmm. getting and whatever so yeah so i i I will admit to being a very thrifty frugal Mm -hmm. woodworker so i like to save money uh the bandsaw that i have now came from one of our former co-workers I got bought that from him so um, it's an old craftsman 12-inch bandsaw and it works really well Uh, so I like that I have some other tools that I have that hand-me-down tools from my grandparents or Mm -hmm. things like that that I like to use so they're out there it's just if you can be patient to find and be willing to maybe use them as learning experiences Mm -hmm. yeah So Mark, this is your first time on the podcast. Yes, it is. So welcome. Thank you. So, and you've been with Woodsmith for two, years? Couple of years years, now. Couple of years? Yeah. 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 What's, what's it been like?
2: It's been amazing. Yeah? Yeah. I've loved every minute of being here and loved all the projects I've been building. And yep, I think I've enjoyed myself since I've been here, so. I've done
1: my, my best to kind of haze you and really test you on the, my <laughs> projects that you built and designed. Just yeah, then, give you, and then
2: there's the John Doyle project. Right, just give you kind of like one
1: page at a time. <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, you know, you'll, you'll see the rest when yeah, you need right. it. Yeah, Maybe it'll show up. You'll yeah, you get just,
2: a page a day of your, yeah. of your project. Yeah. Just keep you just on your toes. Start here. Start here. This is a place to start. And then... Yeah. Well, that's it. We'll and I've, I've liked down. a challenge in every project I've had to build. Mm-hmm. So, but John... Yeah. That's been I extra, take it to, extra challenging. Yep, I take it to the next level. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. Well, because I know you had talked about wanting to do some turning, and then we did yes, the Empire yeah. chest. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I mean, I think every project I've done, the last several projects I've done, there's been a part of that project that has been especially challenging because I haven't really done that before, and I've been a little bit inexperienced, like the turning. Mm-hmm. Sure. So and you know, I've been excited to actually learn that and get to grips with that particular tasks so and technique so I've enjoyed the the turning part of that project we did um this current project I'm working on now there was um, some string inlay work on mm. on the project which I've never done before so that was an interesting technique to learn and do so yeah every, every every project's got a new challenge which that's what I love about the job and these designers will just keep throwing these new challenges at me <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I kind of remember that
1: too when um, starting out building projects on the for the TV show, and it's like you're used to building what you know, and then you're like right. kind of forced to build other people's designs and and how they did it. So you, it's kind of, you know kind of scary because it's like a lot of stuff you've never done before, but yeah. You, yeah, you learn it and and it's you know it's a fun process learning you know, you know new things, and it's it's nice having the the resources we have here. Um, with everybody that you can ask questions and go back and look what we've done in the past and and that kind of thing so it's a challenge but you know it is it's rewarding and it's fun so
0: yeah well tell us a little bit about the transition then going from a self-employed contractor to working in a company and not only that but you're working kind of in an open shop in the fishbowl well well, that's that's,
2: that's what's nice because being a Um, Being in remodeling and being a self-employed contractor, I was basically working out of the back of a van. So all my tools are in the back of a van, and then I'd, depending on where the project was, usually obviously at someone's house, I'd be unloading all my tools and using their their space for my makeshift shop. So to not do that anymore and have a shop to come to every day and everything's in one place, I don't have to unload and load all my tools back into (laughs) one specific spot every time. That is that is awesome. So, yeah, so making that transition from carpentry to fauna woodworking is, is pretty pretty cool. I've mm-hmm. enjoyed every step along the way that I've done the uh, transition. So, so
0: yeah. it's not too weird having people watching you all the time. <laughs> like no, no, the no actually kind of like, I yeah, actually enjoy well it. Actually
1: enjoy it. that way. Yeah, It kind of came. has yeah. yeah, been great. I came from that background a little bit too. I, before I started here, I worked for a like custom cabinet. You know kitchen installer mm. and i and i found like m- most customers um in that business are pretty good but there's always like one that's just like oh yeah. a pain that's like nothing can ever be good enough and <laughs> yeah it's like so it's nice to step back and instead of just having one customer you have like a hundred thousand customers Ross. like right. looking at your <laughs> yeah. but you know so you, you still get your criticisms on on different things but you know it's it's mm-hmm. kind of nice to, to step back and kind of just you know, building for the hobbyists and, and right. that kind of thing rather than you know, out in the real world, as they say.
2: Well, that's it. And yeah. I go back to my original point that I used basically my shops are in someone's garage, but right. if you couldn't get into that garage at the time because mm-hmm. it was full, you're basically out in the open, especially in these Iowa winters, right? Working yeah. outside with a table saw, <laughs> my yeah. saw, and pretty much every tool out your van is on the driveway, yeah, in freezing conditions, yeah, odd hours. I don't, I don't and... miss that, so yeah. <laughs> happy to be in a nice warm shop so (laughs) yeah
0: now do you do you do any woodworking personally then as a hobby pastime
2: yeah i I tend to do a lot of projects in my own garage at home usually usually for my my kids i've been in this four-year process of building a tree house for my kids oh nice so i've just finally got it done so the kids can actually go and enjoy it because i thought well at this rate The kids aren't going to be. They're going to be too old by the time this treehouse is finished. It's going to be my man cave in a tree. Right. So, yeah, finally got that finished. So that's that's good to go for when the weather starts getting a bit nicer for the kids to go and check out. So that's what I've been working on recently. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm sure there's going to be other stuff now that's done. So that list from my wife, more than likely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) John, how about you? Do you have anything that's working on?
1: Oh, I don't know. I've just you know been pushing hard at work to get a bunch of stuff done because I'm headed out on vacation here for right. about a week or so. So kind of just been concentrating on that and tie up
0: all the loose ends. Yep,
1: yep. And then disappear for a while and come back to chaos. Probably so.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: emphasis on chaos. Well, one of the things that I've been working on among some of my other projects is uh, I sold my table saw a few weeks ago. And part of my table saw, I had the router table in one of the side wings. So when I sold the table saw, I sold that router table insert on it too. So I really miss having a router table. So mm-hmm. I, wanna, I wanna make one that mm-hmm. fits my shop space pretty okay. well. Um, I kinda wanted, you know, we've had a lot of projects of router tables in the magazine here, and all of them have their pluses and minuses. And so I'm trying to f- distill them down into something that mm-hmm. I. Mm-hmm. That I can
1: use. Are you thinking like a standalone type one or a bench top? Uh, or... I go
0: back and forth because a bench top I like the idea of, except for the port part about like finding a place to set it up when I want to mm-hmm. use it. You know, it's it's really nice to have it be standalone where you, it's just like you walk up to it. There's your router table. You well, well. turn it on and you go.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, we've done some bench top ones here that I really like, but again, it's. And I like that space-saving feature of you know, being able to clear out some floor space or whatever. But mm-hmm. the setup, usually in the middle of a project, I have stuff kind of piled on every flat surface. So that yeah. mm-hmm. it makes things a little tight. So,
1: be interesting to see what you come up with then. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah we'll have to see. I'll be surprised also. <laughs> well, Mark, thanks for joining us. You're welcome.
2: Come back thanks again sometime. having time.
0: me. Yeah. Thanks for, again for listening to the Shop Notes podcast. Uh, you can find the Shop Notes podcast wherever you find your podcasts out in the wild, free-range podcasts mm-hmm. uh, or caged podcasts sometimes as well. We're on Apple and Google and Spotify and Stitcher and everywhere. So if you're listening on one of those venues, please feel free to leave questions or comments that we can use and answer on the show. Uh, also give us a good rating. If we deserve it, and that helps us to get more viewers and listeners to the podcast. Viewers on the radio, Mm -hmm. something like that. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks. This episode of the Shop Notes
1: podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques, to furniture projects, to shop projects. You can find it all in Woodsmith Magazine.
0: Subscribe today at woodsmith.com.